0: Hello and welcome back to the Untitled Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal, and today we'll be discussing the very interesting or more unfortunate, if you will, um, subject of colorism. And rather than discuss colorism as too much as a concept or how it plays out in everyday life, we'll actually be looking at how colorism plays out in Hollywood, particularly in the casting of black characters, particularly black female characters. This is actually a subject I wrote about for a paper. one of my classes a writing seminar this past semester and I decided why not you know I spent so much time researching this paper let's just turn it into a podcast episode so that is what we have today and before we get too deep into the topic I must pose the question of what is colorism right that's definitely something we have to define before we go any further for any of my listeners who may be unaware of what that term means so the concept of colorism itself actually dates back centuries in american history to the era of slavery so we talk about colorism a lot today and i'm actually very grateful that we've had so many conversations particularly within the black community about colorism the impact of colorism but unfortunately you know this isn't a new issue per se as i said it dates back to the time of slavery and Alice Walker was actually the person who coined this particular term of colorism in 1982, and she defined the term colorism as the prejudices uniquely targeted to black people with darker skin with and kinkier hair. Unfortunately, I fall into that category, so we can see why I'm definitely here to talk about this subject today. Um, I'm, we're going to go through a little bit of a timeline, just kind of, I guess, unpacking Different forms that colorism has taken on, particularly two different forms that colorism has taken on before we get to casting in Hollywood. So, of course, starting with its roots that we know of, of course, um, during the era of slavery. So, during slavery, colorism um, tended to manifest itself in the unequal division of labor and differential settings uh, for labor. So, typically, lighter skinned slaves were assigned to do work in the home, and darker skinned slaves worked outside in the fields tending to do a lot of manual physical labor um i have also heard like um i guess in past research on um slavery that while we typically tend to i guess glorify in some accounts the the type of work that house slaves did even that was you know not slavery sucked period so we can't act like you know Some people had a better slavery. Slavery just sucked and should not have been a thing. But, you know, we tend to say that because um, lighter-skinned slaves worked in the house, of course, the work that they did was different and tended to not be that grueling physical labor as is, um, like, working with, like, sugar cane and whatnot in the fields. But it was also different in the sense that its um, hours were actually more regular. You know, you were technically, like, on call 24-7, Because you were in such close quarters with the people you served. I was going to say your co-workers, but that's not how that worked. Um, So yeah, that was an interesting fact, I guess. You know, they can call on you at two o'clock in the morning because you're right there. That's all. Um, But yeah, still generally an unequal division um, of labor between darker and lighter skinned slaves. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, colorism didn't stop there. It kept on going. So then we get to the paper bag test. This was a couple decades ago. And the paper bag test was essentially used to determine college admissions based on how light a prospective student's skin was. So being the color or lighter than the, the color of or lighter than the paper bag was like a green light for admissions versus, um, being darker than the paper bag was like a nobody get to step in so that's interesting you know like the, you'd think that that's a pretty major jump an almost unrelated jump to go from the division of labor in slavery to then college admissions but colorism never dies it's the plague that's always there right and today um the way that we'll be looking at colorism is through the exclusionary representation of lighter skinned black women in film and television and by exclusionary representation it's the very intentional uh, on part of casting directors um yeah people who do casting directors everybody that's involved in that process the intentional acts on their part of prioritizing lighter skin faces when it comes to casting black characters in film and television it's of course in some um, instances colorist casting is implicit it's not something that the person set out to do on that particular day but it does still happen and it's not necessarily the inverse that happens right so you kind of have to point the finger somewhere um yeah and a disclaimer going forward is that i genuinely do not believe that lighter skin actresses are to blame for their being privileged in the casting and hiring processes you know I, as i'll discuss later there are some negative sides to this exclusionary representation of lighter skinned black women that comes in the end when we discuss the impact of colorism on the black community but it's not your choice you know you just happen to be born into a lighter skinned body you happen to have this um affinity for acting and it happens that things tend to work in your favor in life and it's not necessarily your fault that the systems around you benefit you so not sitting here that any of the examples i use going forward are not people that you should go out and bash or talk smack about or anything like that as i said you don't have in the same way that a darker skinned actress doesn't have control over the systems that don't prioritize her or don't want to cast her that's also not her fault right so no one's at fault except the people who keep perpetuating the system um who are casting directors and producers those are whom your complaints and grievances should be directed as well as to whom you should direct your ideas for solutions you know yes you can i guess if you have a way of contacting and adding these actresses on twitter and getting their attention somehow but the people who are sit in actual positions of power to change the way that black casting is done are whom we should be talking to essentially and now we'll finally dive into the topic. There was a lot of background to offer today. Um, so yeah, let's get right into it. From the wild success of black female-led TV shows, so shows that we've all seen, of course, Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, Dear White People, Blackish, right? With these shows, as I said, black casts, typically a black female in a leading role. It might be hard to believe that black representation on TV isn't just on the up and up at all times, right? But, you know, thinking back to that list I gave of scandal, how to get away with murder, dear white people, and blackish, only how to get away with murder has a dark skinned black female actress, right? And even then, Viola Davis who does plays Annalise Keating, if I remember her last name, on how to get away away with murder has noted time and time again how she had to fight for that role and plenty of other roles in Hollywood. And that's very upsetting, you know? Like, I hope that this episode gives you a new lens through which to look at Black film and television, even those created by other Black creators, right? And kind of seeing, like, are the dark skinned women, right? Because we have seen a I appreciate, you know, the the hype and the the spotlighting that darker skinned black men have received in recent years in the positive instances, right? But I don't feel like we're seeing an equal rise in the representation of darker skinned black women. And I hope that, you know, after everything I discussed today, you'll see things a little bit differently. And you'll realize again how small that pool is of black female led tv shows movies anything with a darker skin female character um yeah and it's very upsetting because throughout history black people have been excluded from the big and little screens of film and television so to see that yes there have been some general like you know general increase in black representation on television you have to question for whom right who is actually who i'm sorry when i get really interested in the topic i forget how to form sentences but you know as i said this increase in representation what type of black people are we seeing benefit from these types of representation right it's not everybody that's the correct answer it's not everybody right um and then what's unfortunate is even in a lot of these instances of black um representation that we see in film and television they tend to be through very negative stereotypes in the way that these roles are written you know they're not meaningful characters with thoughts and feelings and cool aspirate like nothing right it's just the same story over and over again and those tropes are tired they're so tired nobody wants to see that anymore right you know, I've always, maybe this is getting a bit off subject, but something I've always thought about was like in the world of like science fiction, a lot of, um, young adult, does that does that categorization, categorization count for film as well as just books? But even those stories tend to lack black characters in both background and leading, um, roles. Um, what else? Uh, action, uh, no superhero. If we're talking action films in particular, superhero, but still just your typical action film tends to lack um black leads and particularly darker skinned black women um just about every genre that's not related to let's say like crime or something yeah just about that everything that's not related to crime tends to lack a lot of black characters which is very unfortunate right as i said it's the same story over and over again And we're all sick of it, you know? I would love to see more stories where your race is not a defining aspect of your character's backstory or just the storyline, period. I would just like to see a regular, you know what I'm saying? Like, when they try to center your character's just life and everything on their racial identity, you do end up seeing very, like, stereotypical takes on that character's like background as I said same story over and over again you know if we're gonna give me like a dystopian whatever right film with a bunch of black characters if we're gonna talk about like vampires and werewolves throw give me a whole show with black characters I want to see a black witch I would love to see a black mermaid it might like you know what I'm saying and you might not consider that meaningful but to me it is because those characters just all about them Is just this new, fresh storyline in this new universe, and they're not being defined or necessarily held back by their Blackness. Because you know what I'm saying? Like, when you're writing Black characters, you're intentionally writing a character to be Black, I feel like people can't help but insert their race or what they consider to be, like, typical qualities of the Black community into the character, Right. And I don't like it. Like just treat them as a normal person or write the character, which is my preference, write the character without racially defining qualities and then just cast anybody. But it'd be great if a black person was, cast. you know what I'm saying? Like, Oh my God, this is something I tend to talk about very frequently, but today is the day that I lack the the ability to put it into proper words. Um, But you know, if you've grown up um, reading like young adult um fiction right so if you've read like the hunger games um the divergent series literally just anything right and you watch the movies and all this stuff and especially if you read this as a black kid growing up it's very sad when you read these types of books and there's just like no black characters or there's one i believe in the divergent series it was christina that was it and then christina wasn't even cast with a, a dark-skinned black actress um which is how she was described in the book, which is another thing I'll get into that a bit, but when it comes to um book to film adaptations, even if the character is dis- like distinctly written to be a darker skin black character, we typically don't see that translate into the casting choice, which You know what? It's interesting because when it comes to every other type of book to film adaptation, it's like, everybody wants to follow it word for word. When it comes to black characters, there's always this, okay, we can change it a little bit. And it's very annoying, right? (sighs) Very annoying. Um, but yeah, I just, would just like to see black people be cast in Some more interesting and diverse types of characters that, as I said, don't necessarily revolve around their racial identity. There's nothing wrong with films or TV shows about Blackness, because those, especially when created by Black creators, are not something I particularly get tired of. There's so many different perspectives within the Black community, so many different walks of life that I love to hear about. But when it comes to everybody else writing Black characters or writing characters, period, there's nothing wrong with casting black people in roles or in characters whose character does not revolve around a particular racial identity is all I'm saying. That's all. Um but back to my point about stereotypes. Um I have a few here and I'm sure many of us have you can think of a few things you've con- things you've watched that follow these lines. So there's the mammy, it's The asexual, happy, typically obese. This is not my wording. This is from one of my sources. Of course, I cannot, I am not a medical professional. I have not diagnosed any of these characters with obese. besides the point. Uh, But it's the dark black mother figure. So you hear a lot of people talk about their experiences with older, bigger black women and feeling very, like, comforted, stuff like that. That's also a trope that exists within film and television. Um, There's the Jezebel, the shameless... Uh, played, played by over like oversexual, the schemer, and then there's the sapphire, the rude, loud, and overbearing emasculator. So for that last one, you might can cons- you might think of the different ways that black women are portrayed as like being very ratchet or very ghetto, loud, um, outspoken. Um, and those were three stereotypes, like three categories of stereotypes, and that just summed up about everything I've ever seen. Which is very unfortunate. And I haven't seen much because not much representation. Unfortunate. Um, But yeah, going forward, I think that when we try to... Especially if we're trying to quantify and compare over time how Black representation has changed. If we look at raw numbers, of course, as a percentage, um, the number of film and TV shows that have Black characters and cast members has increased, of course, right? Like, But as I said, it's not just a matter of um losing my train of thought not a matter of looking at like absolute numbers but i think it should also be based on the distribution of diverse black representation across diverse roles sorry because as i was saying before when i talked about this increase in black representation i asked for who and that's this point kind of gets back to that because as i said it's not been all black people equally moving up in representation right the darker skinned black woman tends to be left behind so if we started to break it down that way and then look at that distribution based on if we want to just be frank and honest skin tone and then also looking at the types of roles they're being cast in the improvement doesn't seem like it's been that much of a leap in the way that we might have thought looking at raw numbers so yeah again we're seeing a small portion of darker skinned black women being cast in these roles and then probably a large portion of that small percentage being cast in typically stereo typically stereotypical what awkward wording um those are the types of roles they're being cast in those three major um categories i mentioned before the mammy the jezebel the sapphire right so then What are you know like? It's kind of like a little bit less to be excited about, which is unfortunate. This episode wasn't supposed to make you sad, but just to open your eyes to something that goes around. But tongue twister, just to open your eyes to what's going on around you. Because I've been very pleased overall with the increase in black representation, but I know that I don't see myself in almost any character that I watch. So. Not the same, a little bit less to be excited about. But I, like I said um, in the beginning, I feel like we have been having more open conversations about colorism, at least within the Black community. I don't necessarily think this conversation has reached the higher ups, the casting um, directors and producers. I don't think it's reached that level, but within the community, we've had discussion. Productive discussion is another question, but discussion nonetheless. It's been brought up it's been the issue has been submitted to the committee and we have not yet reached a conclusive decision and but as i said i'll talk more about um colorism within the black community on more of a i guess day-to-day level if you will just how it affects the average black person in a future episode so look out for that because i feel like that'll be very interesting But back to my original um, topic for today's episode. Um, Yes, moving on to my next point. Due to colorism in casting, the range of Black female actresses that we see on the screen is not reflective of the even broader range of Blackness present in society. You know, Black people are not a monolith. There's a rainbow, if you will, right? We think of rainbows as just being different colors, but what about different shades, right? It's... A diverse community of people who hail from a variety of different countries right and when you watch tv shows and movies you're not seeing this you're not seeing that same rainbow you're seeing one color they picked one out of the rainbow and said this is what we're running with that's it right so it's been very unfortunate because in one of the pieces i was reading when i was doing research when I was originally writing this paper was um, one of the authors said that, you know, if you weren't an American and you were watching just TV shows and movies, we're not talking about like, which is not, that I think might be an interesting point to bring up in that future episode of um, the hip hop music industry, how that plays into colorism. But you know, if you were looking directly at film and television, you wouldn't, you might think that almost every black woman in America is of lighter skin, or at least the majority, right? You wouldn't have a an accurate idea of the diversity of blackness present in America based on what you see on the screen. Because, as I said, it's not a good reflection of the broader range of blackness in American society. And it's very unfortunate. Um, when the content you're consuming doesn't reflect you, when you're not in the content you're seeing, um, there's a lot that comes with that and could lead to a lot of negative consequences on your psyche and yourself and your self-esteem in the future of which I will elaborate on in the latter part of this episode. I apologize in advance for ending this episode on a little bit of a sad note on those consequences, but continuing forward, um, I was reading this article in the Arizona state press Written by Annalisa Valtez. Thank you very much for offering a great source for my paper. Um, and she notes that casting directors, and this is the big thing, the overarching point, if you walk away with nothing else about colorism and casting, it should be this point, is that casting directors give roles that could have just as well been played by dark skin actresses to lighter skin actresses instead based on their skin tone. That's the whole, that's the gist. I could end the episode right here that is the gist of colorism in casting because you know you might look at your favorite films and tv shows and be like but this this actress ate it up like she did so well and that's not taking away from how well they did but it's it's not taking away from what they did period right starting a new sentence um it's could this have been played just as well By someone of a darker skin and you'd be surprised you'd think that oh like if but if someone else played it better they would give it to that other person and it's not necessarily that's not necessarily true if you don't fit the quote-unquote look that they're going for it doesn't work as well right so that's unfortunate right it's not just raw talent it's a look and when you ask people to get into detail about what that look is it's very much so excluding women of darker skin particularly black women with darker skin so that's unfortunate and you know getting into this this look this that they're going for um it's interesting because I didn't realize you know kind of who the reference point was for this and apparently it's Halle Berry like I love Halle Berry's an actress great woman cool cool lady but it's funny because it's called like the the Halle Berry aesthetic or at least that's the term that was coined in this article that I was reading and um, the author of the piece noted the gravitation towards the Halle Berry aesthetic, and that is essentially kind of the root almost of this lighter skin preference in the casting of black women. Not to say it started with Halle Berry. I'd have to do some research on that because maybe it did, right? I don't know. But that's essentially what's trying to be emulated when they cast black women. So examples of this or products of the, uh, I guess, blowing up of this Halle Berry aesthetic or um the desiring of this Halle Berry aesthetic you know I don't even know if I'm making any sense I'm really sorry today this is supposed to be a much better episode than this but it's fine um Zendaya, Amandla Stenberg, Yara Shahidi, Zoe Saldana, Zoe Kravitz those were the examples and I was like that is I'm not saying they all look exactly the same but when you think vibes, energy um it's, it makes perfect sense. And then the list, let me count. One, two, three, four, five, six. Those six, um, black women right there, um, are like six of the only black women you see. Think about it. You may be like, that's not true. Of course. Like I'm talking about like, especially like younger actresses, because as it gets a little bit older, but then even then it's different types of, um, things. So if we like get into like, the Regina—I um, was gonna say Regina George. Jesus, not Regina George for Mean Girls, but Regina King and a lot of other very amazing and talented Black actresses. That's kind of almost a different time and a different type of film with different types of creators. So that's a different category. But in terms of what we're discussing with more, um like here and now, film casting, these are some of the only faces that you see and you know, casting directors and whatnot will get on TV or whatever outlet and be like, such a diverse cast. You know, we love prioritizing black women. And it's like, but you're prioritizing one type of black woman. Be specific, baby. Don't say all black women, because that's not true. Sorry, I needed to take a sip of water. Um, I was getting worked up. So yeah you, you might not have realized. I mean, of course, some people have noticed that plenty of black people have commented on it, particularly over the years. As I said, it's not a new issue, but I'm really sorry, Miss Berry, but it really is called the Halle Berry aesthetic. And once I read that and I was like that, it made so many things in my head click into place. Love you, babes. Um, yes. As I said, um, don't try to go on like Twitter, Instagram, and like harass any of these actresses as i said it's not your fault that you're born into a system that uplifts you over other members of your community you can do your best to call these things out which um i believe both yara shahidi and zendaya and amanda like plenty of other people have called out over the years but at the end of the day as i don't know it's a it's a hard system to dismantle and as you do not sit in executive positions of power i don't know how much dismantling you could do um so as i said we direct our grievances our transgressions our complaints towards casting directors executives those people the people who actually make this stuff happen the people who created and perpetuate this system going forward okay but going back to colorism which was the main topic of this episode after I have gone off on a tangent several times. Colorism is also increasingly problematic when you know casting directors and producers wield it to distort historical figures and to rewrite fictional characters. I did bring up earlier the way that they tend to change uh, black female characters, black characters period when it comes to um, book to film adaptations. And you may be like, distorting historical figures, really? Yes yes they are because you would think that off bat if a historical figure was a darker skin dark skin period um person especially woman that it we wouldn't have to second guess um casting a dark skinned woman to play this person but you would be surprised what happens in hollywood so fascinating But yes, due to colorism and casting, lighter-skinned actresses are being cast to play originally dark-skinned characters. Right? Unfortunate. Especially because, as I said, what we were talking about up until this point was just black characters, period. Like, you know, the character who's been stamped as black. Rather than pick any, you know, type of black person to play the character, they typically gravitate towards lighter-skinned actresses. That's what we were discussing up until this point. But now we're getting to... Another aspect of colorism where people who were originally, like they exist, right? And both people who were written by the original authors to look a certain way to be dark skin then just being played by lighter skin people. So yes, the problem does get worse. You know, it didn't sound like it could get worse. It gets worse. Um, And what sucks about this is that it shortens the already incredibly short list of roles for actors with dark skin to play and it's it's messed up, right? You would think we, you know, dark-skinned actors and actresses would at least be guaranteed these book-to-film adaptations and historical figures, but no, like not even that, right? So have a few examples. Um, 2016, Afro-Latina actress Zoe Saldana was cast to play Nina Simone. And at first I was like, okay, because I didn't know what Nina Simone looks like. So when I was doing more research, Nina Simone is a dark skinned woman. I'll put it at that a, a dark skinned woman with a wider nose. Very, she, They look nothing alike. The two of them look nothing alike. And what was so upsetting was in order to make um, Zoe Saldana look like Nina Simone, rather than cast a dark skinned actress, right? They gave her a prosthetic nose. They put like a darker makeup on her face to make her skin look dark. Baby it just looks like a black, a bad blackface job. It looked it looked bad. And I believe Zoe has, you know, apologized for taking the role, which I think an apology from her was definitely necessary because that was kind of if you don't look anything like the person and you know we're going for biopic, and you know, we've seen some great biopics over the years where they were able to find people who look very similar to the people whose lives you are trying to recreate on the screen. So I think you're going for the role was already like why, but at the same time, the willingness of these casting directors to cast a lighter skin woman who looks nothing like Nina Simone is a problem in itself. Like that's, that's a problem. It's, it doesn't make any sense. You would go the extra mile to put on a, prosthet- a prosthetic nose and face paint onto this actress every single day of shooting rather than just find a dark skinned person that looks like Nina Simone like it doesn't make any sense to me <sighs> then um this was not an original example in the paper I wrote but this was something I thought of actually when I was planning this episode it was um the recasting of Claire on My Wife and Kids if you've never seen My Wife and Kids you've never seen good tv period like that's when that's such a great show and they did recast Claire I think after in one of the earlier seasons and Claire used to be played by a darker skinned actress and then was replaced by the claire that if you've watched the show towards the end in particular that's the claire everybody knows the lighter skinned claire um yes i have another example similar to this and then i'll make a point um it was also the recasting of aunt viv on the fresh prince of bel-air who was originally played by a darker skinned actress and was replaced by a lighter skinned actress and a point i have to make on both my wife and kids and the fresh prince of bel-air and kind of not kind of, but the recasting of darker skin actresses with lighter skin actresses is that I don't know the technicalities behind why these actresses were replaced on their TV shows. You know, there could have been, you know, beef behind the scenes, whatever. I don't know the details of that, but that's not the point, right? Characters get recast all the time, but my thing is, you know... How do I say this? The recasting of them with light-skinned actresses and, you know, there's more than one example. There's more than two examples of this and the inverse is not necessarily true and that's why it becomes a bit of a problem. That's all I have to say about that, right? You know what I'm saying? I feel like I want to say more about this. Like, I can't just leave it at that, right? Recasting happens all the time. There's nothing inherently wrong with recasting the characters and if they were already put in the role, I'm sure they weren't recast just for being dark skin, But them being replaced by lighter skin actresses and there being numerous instances of this is the problem because it's like where there are no dark skin actresses um to replace them with as i said i've listed two examples here but i'm sure there are more out there because colorism never sleeps never sleeps I'm sure there are plenty of other examples and as I said the inverse is not necessarily true with lighter skin actresses being replaced with darker skin actresses if it does happen it does not happen so many times right um yeah and I consider this and another example is coming but I consider all of these examples to be a part of dark skin erasure in Hollywood to then prioritize lighter skin faces where they can they just they eat they either you know snuff the character before it ever before the camera starts rolling which you know they tend to do in book to film adaptations which i'll just say the example now the other one i was going to give was the hate you give i read that book great it's excellent like such a great book i do think amanda senberg is a great actress i'm not going to question her acting abilities but star was written to be a darker skin character the cover of the book has a darker skin character although i've heard that apparently the um, author Angie Thomas didn't necessarily choose for her to be represented by a darker skin like animation on the car co- I don't know about that I can't speak on that but if I remember correctly in the book she was described as being darker skin off topic but if you get the chance to read any of Angie Thomas's books please read them I've read all three of her books amazing um back to my original point but I consider, you know, the example of Zoe Saldana, and Nina Simone, the replacing of Claire and Aunt Viv on My Wife and Kids and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, respectively. And then the casting of Amanda Stenberg um, in The Hate You Give. And then I believe like the actress who I I don't know why I'm blanking names right now. Christina in the book to film adaptation of um, in the Divergent series is played by a lighter skin actress. She's described as having like a darker brown skin tone in the books. Um also a good book series if you'd like to read, um, It's just, to me, a, a big thing of dark skin erasure because there are plenty of dark skin people out there. Like, you could literally just cast these people properly and you choose not to, right? And these are, like I said, this is very different from the instances I was mentioning before where the character was just noted as black and they could have taken it in any direction. But when, you know, you're recreating historical figures or characters who were described a certain way in a book... There was some obligation there to cast a dark-skinned person and you went out of your way to not do that. That's what gets me... Those are the examples in particular that get me quite upset. And... Why? Like, you're you're putting in extra work for yourself because your PR team is going to have to answer to a lot of angry people afterwards. So, like, I don't... I don't know. But to look up and onward, um, we'll be... uh, Tongue twister, yet again. Casting done right. Black casting done right. And these are two examples I'm sure plenty of people have already mentioned. Um but to me they're two of my favorite examples because I enjoyed both of these films and the casting definitely made me feel some type of way watching both of these films. I watched both of them. Oh no, I watched one in theaters and the other on Netflix. But it's just that feeling of being seen because as I said, sometimes you might not realize the value of representation until you have it. And then you're like, wow, like imagine if I was able to grow up with examples of myself, people who look like me in um, films and television, how differently uh, my view of myself and everything else in my life could have turned out. And these examples are Black Panther and us. Um, Black Panther is in the Marvel film, us as in Jordan Peele's horror, excellent, excellent, excellent horror film. I don't, I'm not a particular horror person. I don't do jump scares or anything like that. But I do like this type, Us is that type of film that it's, it's eerie and it's scary. Not only, you know, because of the way that the behaviors of the characters, the fact that you're going to be murdered, not just because of that, but just it's scary because it's true. The overarching message, this was not supposed to be an episode about the excellent things that go on in the mind of Jordan Peele. But because I like talking about this movie so much, it was such a great film to watch in theaters. Um, yeah. What was I saying? It's not just scary because of, as I said, you know, the fear of being murdered, et cetera. It's scary because it's true. You know, all of these points about like um, those who live beneath us, that underworld, you know, they're on a lower rung in society, et cetera like you might not have it might not have clicked initially but you know what he was referencing um it's true it's just true so then it's scarier when it's like this is what's happening in the real world i don't know if the government is experimenting on rabbits per se but what he's trying to represent in this world is very much reflective of what's happening in our world so yes I am indeed president of the Jordan Peele fan club if you could not tell um but yes going forward Black Panther and Us I consider to be two great examples of black casting done right and I don't think they're just good for having dark skinned actors because that's something I also don't like is token representation when they just throw in because I feel like you can definitely tell especially as a black consumer a darker skinned black consumer you can tell where they're just throwing things in to satisfy people so they can get the brownie points for diversity and representation but which i hate right i just you can tell when they just throw those characters in there those characters tend to be like sidekicks they tend to be very underdeveloped they don't speak frequently because those were not characters they were concerned with when creating these films and tv shows they were thrown in there you can tell versus what we see here in black panther and us is meaningful roles and also roles that exist outside of stereotypes they developed real people and the cool part right like I love I love these films so much is their meaningful roles in genres where darker skinned people or black people in general are ill-represented being like superhero action films and horror those are two genres two particular genres where you see like no black people ever so then to see such great films at the forefront now of these genres being just hailed as just some of the greatest of their genre period right and then having those characters have been played by dark-skinned actors and actresses is just phenomenal so to me you know if you're looking to good examples of how to cast black characters it's right there and they were wildly successful right and both of these films in addition to a few others, I can't even say plenty because there's never plenty. There's never enough, you know, there's a lot of history to catch up on film and television have existed for dare I say centuries, right? And we're only now seeing meaningful, um, black casting. So I can never say there's many, and I can never say there's enough. Um, but yes, uh, Black Panther and us among the few other films who have accomplished such a great um, a necessary feat. Um, they both prove that there is a demand and a value in representational black casting. Because it was an article that I was reading about Black Panther, and, or, yeah, I think it was about Black Panther, and the author was talking about how when you tend to, you know, pitch ideas for black films, it's like, oh, nobody wants to watch that, especially if the film, like, maybe centers around a unique perspective in the black community or anything black stories in general um no one's like oh no one's gonna watch it like you know no one wants to watch a film just about black people right and especially when you you know take it from that very stereo you take it from a non-stereotypical angle and give us a superhero film or horror film oh nobody's gonna watch it and then look how successful black panther and us then became so yeah, as I said, it proves that there's a demand for it because plenty of people watched it and plenty of people watched it multiple times and a value in such great casting because I I I had social media at the time that these films came out. So then seeing how many black people talked about these films and the positive experience that they had watching these films and how they felt seen and it was it was a beautiful thing. I really enjoyed it and it mattered to a lot of people. So Give me some more of that. I think that would be great. Now on to a sad point, I guess, uh, the impact of colorism on the Black community. You know, everything I've discussed up until this point does not exist in a vacuum, nor do human beings consume content and not take anything away from it. You know, we can't watch anything and not internalize anything from it, right? That's not realistic and just not true. So when you just see um, the constant and exclusionary representation of lighter skinned um, black people in a way that's, as I said, obviously I use the word exclusionary, but in a way that's not representational uh, or representative of the entire black community, it does affect you, especially as I said, you grow up, you're going through puberty in the parts of your life where you're questioning who you are and trying to discover yourself and everything and nothing that you see on film or television looks like you it's a very very sad thing as someone who went through that personally but getting into these um impacts um the first one is actually the fetishization of lighter skinned and biracial black people um with the examples i mentioned earlier i think it was the six examples um of the black women that we typically see, there is a fetishization of lighter skinned people that comes from this exclusionary representation and it doesn't benefit these light skinned people. So that's an interesting thing that you sit in a position of privilege when it comes to the casting of black characters by the hand of these like casting directors and producers. But within your community day-to-day life amongst other people, there's this strange exoticism of you that makes you less of a human being. It puts you on this pedestal of almost unattainable perfection. It's a weird thing. You're not really seen as a human being. It's an interesting. It's an interesting thing. Um, yeah, and as I said, that doesn't benefit you. You might have been benefited in being put into a particular role, but there's a lasting effect of these things and the fetishization of light skin and like curly hair and stuff like that within the black community is so gross and. Yeah, that's gross. But I can get into that on another day, of course. Um, Moving on to the next point is that colorism then encourages the degradation of dark-skinned black people and leaves them with no one to identify with. As I mentioned before, you know, you go through those parts of your life where you're looking for people who look like you. You're trying to figure out who you are, what's possible for you. And what really kind of sets the standard of what's possible for you is Seeing people who look like you do certain things. So, for example, I mentioned before that like the crime genre, like like gangster film, stuff like that, um, are t- tend to be where we see like probably the most um, black people being cast, the most explicitly black characters being written, stuff like that. So then let's say you're growing up and you never get to see any like cool black people in like um, like uh, sci-fi, or really cool action films, or romance. Oh my God, don't get me started on the romance genre, lacking black representation, because that one gets me the most. Um, but you don't see that. And those are like the films everybody likes, right? That's, everybody gravitates towards that. That's what you see in theaters. Those tend to be like, hey, those are the best films of the year, whatever. And then the only place that you find representation for yourself is in you know, these criminals, right? That's all you're given that kind of sets a standard for you and you're like oh but like you know like don't read into it too much and i really hate when people say things like that or that oh it's not that deep because it does matter like it, it is that deep actually because subconsciously you start making points in your head you start you could start limiting yourself it's not the case for everybody but colorism and exclusionary representation in the content that you watch coupled with the fact that colorism does exists it's very much living and breathing within the community and the terms that we use and the way that we talk to each other within the hierarchy we've created within our community it's something you're just surrounded by 24 7 and it's of course it's going to get to you right so then you begin to set a lower standard for yourself of what you're capable of of the worlds that you can enter of the things that you can do and The fact that you see then that also expectations are lower for you and it's just, you see what I'm saying? Like it will get to you and poor black casting has, you know, an effect beyond the fact that, you know, a bunch of dark-skinned actors and actresses get turned down from a role. That person being turned down from a role is not where the problem starts and ends. It extends to the kid that's at home watching TV and doesn't get to see better representation of him or herself or themselves. They don't get to see anything else other than, let's say, like crime or whatever. So they have nothing else to aspire to. They have nothing to look forward to. They have no role models to look up to. It just it limits the world that they're in. It limits a lot it limits your aspirations etc so yeah it's just it's an upsetting thing because it's also something that some people tend to have a hard time admitting to as i said i'm taking this now to a more um interpersonal level of looking at colorism less so looking at the hollywood aspect for a second is that people tend to have a hard time admitting that they're colorists A lot of black people have a hard time they're admitting that they're color admitting that they're colorist and i think that's a very interesting thing because just say it like if you're gonna believe it just say it with your chest right so it's very upsetting i really i really dislike it um to the next point which it doesn't get better right another unfortunate impact that colorism can and does have on the black community is internalized racism right And this then leads to negative effects on the psyche and self-worth of adolescent black girls. So it's very similar to the point I mentioned before of the poor ways in which you see yourself represented, the very limited ways that you see yourself being represented, the creation of this hierarchy, both within your community and one that's being imposed on you in the content that you watch as well, right? It'll get to you. And you'll find yourself, you could find yourself repeating the same things, bringing those things into fruition within your own life, and being victim to it in your own life. So yeah, you know, I technically, I'm 19, so I still count as an adolescent, right? So as an adolescent black girl, I can totally agree with this point of its negative effects on your psyche and self-worth. Going back to the point I made before about the romance genre, like rom-coms. The sappy stuff right and the fact that you never really see a black woman in the lead of any of those films if you do want to see a good black romance film if beale street could talk was such a good film oh i watched it on valentine's day this year nobody cares about what films i'm watching but excellent chef's kiss 10 out of 10 um but you know seeing yourself well not seeing yourself in those types of films could then it did. I'm not gonna act like I'm not gonna say could. It did. You know the impacts it had on my own life. You, ca- it causes you to see yourself as being less desirable as a romantic partner. You know, you'll never. You know, it makes it feel as though the things you see in movies are just in movies. They can't ever happen to you. No one's gonna fall madly in love with you. You know, no one's gonna sit on, literally freeze to death in the ocean, for you. Right? That's not gonna happen to you. Right? So. It causes you to set your standards lower for your romantic partners because you know that those things will never happen to you because you've never seen it happen to another black woman, right? So then it just feels so impossible. So it sets your standards lower. It causes you to invite worse partners into your life. And then, of course, you'll never get to see those movie-esque or you never get to experience those movie-esque things because now the effect that the poor representation in the films you did watch growing up I don't even know where I was going with this sentence. You consumed so much of that, that you made it a reality um, for yourself that that couldn't be a reality. So then it just to you, now you've just affirmed to yourself that it doesn't exist but you only believe it doesn't exist or it only seems like it doesn't exist because of what you watched before, I don't know. But that made perfect sense in my head. So if you know what I meant, to you because to me that made perfect sense um but yeah it does as i said take a, a toll on your self-worth and it's a very unfortunate thing that's why i said you know everything i've discussed up until this point does not exist within a vacuum right there are widespread effects a lot of subconscious effects i think that colorism isn't as i said mild discussion has happened nothing has changed the committee has given us no response um so then it becomes a hard thing to admit out loud and it's something that you may not even um it's something that you may not even notice in day-to-day life and i hope that this episode allowed you to see that because it's so fascinating and every time i watch as a darker skinned black woman every time i watch anything i'm like oh my god like where's a dark skinned black woman like i love how to go how to get away with murder I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, despite the show being literally so old. But after they killed off one of my favorite characters, I stopped watching it. Um, But that was completely besides the point. Um, Yeah, it's just... I'm going to move on from negativity now because it's not making me feel better. And I'm not going to put any more of my dirty laundry onto the internet. We will gratefully not be ending on a completely negative note. We're ending on solutions. And again, drawn from my excellent research paper. So our first solution to combating colorism, this is particularly, again, looking at it as it presents itself in Hollywood. This is not talking necessarily about um, combating colorism in your day-to-day life, although you could adapt these solutions to do so. So our first solution that I put forward is open discussion of colorism within executive circles. So those people that I said we should put the blame on, they should be having these discussions too, not just a 19 year old girl on her podcast, right? So amongst these casting directors and producers, they should be able to acknowledge colorism in the same way that I have as a consumer, right? And I think it's necessary for them within these discussions to be able to pinpoint how colorism is affecting their hiring decisions and to prompt further discussions regarding possible solutions On top of that, how to prevent it from impacting their decisions, because I would like to presume that it's all implicit. They don't realize what they're doing, but I know that there are some very, very um, explicit um, casting choices made, very deliberate, very intentional to then exclude dark skin actors and actresses. But I think having discussion amongst yourselves will hopefully bring to light specifically the conversation going in should acknowledge the fact that colorism exists, exists in Hollywood and exists within the work that you've done. And it's kind of just trying to pinpoint why, what was the rationale behind you choosing this person and not this person? And how can we as, I don't know, an agency, a film house, whatever, prevent this going forward? That doesn't mean that you can't cast any light skinned actresses because then you're kind of just bleeding into that direction of token um token i used this word earlier (laughs) ha 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 token token representation um yes so it's finding that balance it's just being honest right just be very raw be very honest and when you talk about the look that you go for please explain what that means um next our next solution is taking public accountability responsibility for colorist actions and to be responsive to audience demands, and plenty of black female consumers of film and television have been very vocal particularly on social media about the poor casting of black female characters and i'm very happy about that so i know that it's not something this doesn't exist in my head i'm not making this up you know what i'm like it exists it's a it's a thing so you're choosing, right, when you continue to do this, you're just choosing to ignore the people who are asking better of you. And yeah, I think we should all aspire to be anti colorists And part of becoming anti colorists is taking responsibility for your mistakes and taking the audience's complaints about casting choices into consideration. Think hard about it. I'm not saying you have to necessarily go and recast the person you already have because as I said, You didn't choose that, well, I can't speak on the reason you didn't choose that person because, you know, who knows if it was based on talent or not, but just to replace them with a dark skin act, it just, you know what I'm saying? It just feels very like I'm doing this because you told me to, not because I believe in this actress's abilities, because if that's true, you would have cast them in the first place, yada yada, right? But at least definitely in projects going forward to then be smart, I'm not saying to now just not cast any light skin actresses. But there are definitely times and places that call for dark skinned actresses explicitly. As I said, um, in the book to film adaptations I mentioned earlier, with the Divergent series and The Hate You Give, and then the biopic about Nina Simone, like those are places that called for it, and nobody picked up the phone, right? Um, an example that I have of this, of taking public accountability and responsibility and being responsive and doing what you needed to do afterwards was this is something i found out when i was researching the film because i haven't watched this film and didn't know about the backlash it got before it was released was actually with ralph breaks the internet if you've watched It ralph i think that's a great film um besides the point that's just me inserting my opinion um there the animation studio for ralph breaks the internet actually publicly accepted fault for and made changes to its animation of princess tiana because when they revealed i don't know if it was the trailer or like Images of the, because I, I think all the Disney princesses were in the film, they kind of redid her with lighter skin and very like sharper features. And it's like, um, where's our dark skinned baddie from before? Where'd she go? Right? Like, why? Why was it necessary to do that? If she was originally drawn, animated as a darker skinned woman with a certain set of features, why would you then go in and change her character? Reeks of colorism, does it not? Right? But thankfully, the animation studio um, was like, oops. Should not have done that. Sorry. And they fixed it, actually. I haven't watched the film, so I don't... I'm hoping it was back to its original design, like in the Disney film, The Princess and the Frog. Um, but I do know that they did make changes to that film and that character. So that was great. That's that's how you accept fault for a mistake. That's a case where you should definitely be very like reactionary to what people are saying. And... To our last point is, I think you need to, in order to combat colorism in casting, is cultivating a more diverse casting staff because you can't then set out to cast a diverse um, set of cast members and then not have a diverse casting staff because it's a strange thing. It starts internally. So if there wasn't, you know, how do i explain this like if the words are in my head and it makes perfect sense in my head it's just not coming out right but if you didn't have that mindset going into the the hiring of your casting staff you couldn't then expect your casting staff to make the right choices or the most diverse choices when it came then to casting characters if that makes sense right and i think that you know, diversifying the actors hired begins with diversifying the casting directors themselves. Because if you know, if there were more dark skinned black women or just black women at least at least, period, among casting staff, right? Then when it came to making decisions about casting black female characters, you would have someone on the inside be like, You should not have cast so it's Haldana as Nina Simone, because I think that's a bit inappropriate, but you should have cast X, Y, and Z. This other person did a great job and actually looks like Nina Simone, right? When you're not a part of the community you're casting, especially if the role you're casting them in, their racial identity and just appearance in general is an integral part of the person's character, I'm going to be a little bit concerned, right? That's not to say that non-black people have cast good black characters in the past, but that's I would like to believe that's or do believe that's not the majority. So, Yeah prioritizing diversity starts internally before you can start making choices on the people you hire for roles that's my two cents on that and finally 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 we will wrap this up because i have been speaking for an incredibly long time so yes in conclusion colorism not okay big no no let's not do that right And that we should strive for diverse representation because, as I mentioned before, there is so much value in representation how you view yourself and your abilities and just everything about you based on what you see about yourself in film and television. So, yes. And I would love to see more black roles beyond the stereotypes, like I said. I mean, we did get a black witch. That was Bonnie. Bonnie was done dirty, period. Uh, Again, that was not the point of this episode. I can talk about that on another day. But... Yeah. I want to see black people in roles that push the boundaries of what we've seen up until this point. So, if you're a casting director and you are listening to this, please make my wish come true. Um but yeah. Um finally wrapping things up. This has been the Untitled Podcast and this has been your host Crystal. Thank you so much for listening this far and yeah, I really do appreciate it. I had a lot of fun working on this paper and then turning this paper into a podcast episode. So yes, thank you again for listening this far and have a wonderful day.